1: Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne covering all things magic basketball. By fans, for fans. Go magic. What is going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. It is November 8th, 2021. Co-host Luke Sylvia, as always, is with me. Luke. What's going on, man? It's a great night.
2: It's a great night. I didn't know if it was going to be a great night, right? I wasn't I mean, sure. I wasn't Checking sold. with me about an hour and a half ago, I wasn't too sure. But, uh, you know, fun fun game. Obviously, you guys are tuning in to hear about that game specifically, I'm sure, at this point. Um, you know, bookend kind of the game, uh, the way the Magic started, and they finished it. So, it was good.
1: Yeah, it's not always how you finish, it's how you end. They did start the game really well. We're going to talk more about the Magic's win over the Utah Jazz they didn't think we'd be saying that tonight, um, but yeah, just a fun game. Another uh, interesting week of Magic Basketball, really uh, the best week of Magic Basketball that we've had so far. So we've seen we were seeing signs of improvement, which I think is uh, is really important, Luke. But let's go ahead. Uh, we got some housekeeping things uh, before we go ahead and, and start covering. The games of the past week. So really quickly, uh, we want to shout out our patrons. So if you guys don't know, we started a patron. You can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. Want to shout out our newest patron, Joseph Chubb. Really, really appreciate your support. Means a lot to us. And then our other patrons, Court Cousins, Drew Gooden, Armin, Keith Garcia, Zico, Carson Tulo, Nathan Lynn, Ellis, Jonathan Borges, Norm L, Magic Player History, and Julio. Luke, that list is getting a little bit longer each week, and uh, that yeah. little part there is taking you know, longer and longer for me to say, but we're not pl- complaining. Again, really appreciate uh, your guys' support, Luke. Let's get into the weekly state of the Orlando Magic. So your Orlando Magic went 2-2 two and two this week. They Called started it. the week. You did. You Called did. Called it 2-2. Two two. Mm-hmm. I did call the Magic beating the Timberwolves. I just didn't think did. they'd pull out this win against the Jazz, and I'm glad to be wrong about that. They started the week with a 115-97 shellacking of the Minnesota Timberwolves in Minneapolis. I'm excited to talk about that game with Luke. Um, a, a 92-79 to 92 loss to the Celtics at home. A 102-89 loss to the Spurs at home in a rematch of the home opener. And then a thrilling Sunday night win against the Utah Jazz, 107-100. to They now sit with a record of 3-8 coming into Sunday. They were 27th in net rating in the NBA with an offensive rating of 101.7, which means the Magic per 100 possessions score 101.7 points, which is good for 25th in the NBA, and a defensive rating of 110.4, which was good for 27th in the league. The Magic now have put together you know a few games here of pretty solid defensive performances, although they haven't captured the win in each one of those games. And then on Sunday afternoon, Tankathon.com had the magic with the toughest remaining strength of schedule in the NBA at the time that I checked. That the Magic were two and eight on the season, so for them to still have the toughest remaining strength of schedule in the NBA was like, wow, um, things really could uh, even get a little bit worse here, Luke. But overall, Luke, it was a it was a good week of Magic basketball, going two and two. You were right. Um, I think what was the other game that you had picked? Because it wasn't the Minneapolis game. You had picked I, another I think game I
2: think game. I had picked the Celtics and the Spurs in the middle of the week. The two games the Magic lost, I predicted that they would win. Um, the Celtics, I, I thought that the Magic were going to be able to win that game, and uh, you know they held this they held the players meeting in Orlando, and I it, it looked like I mean it looked like the Magic were primed to to do that, and would have been nice to go uh, three and one this week, but it is what it is. All right, let's talk game one, Monday at the Timberwolves. So,
1: Kevin and I, um, mm-hmm. last week, we just we felt the need to record an emergency podcast based off of the fourth quarter that we had. So, Luke, you have not really been able to give your take, so I'm just going to give like a quick rundown of the yeah. game, and then we'll get right to your thoughts on right. like what we witnessed in that game. It was incredible. So, if you guys were living under a rock this week, it's okay. We got you. Mm-hmm. Um, the Magic mm-hmm. went into Minnesota, prevailed 115-97, with an absolute masterclass of a fourth quarter against the Utah Jazz. Orlando started the fourth quarter down six, but outscored Minnesota 43-19, so plus 24 in the fourth quarter, with the help of 14 fourth quarter points from Cole Anthony and 10 points from Fonz Wagner, including one of the best dunks you will see this season on Jared Vanderbilt and kind of Carl Anthony Towns, depending if you count that uh, as, a, as a poster on Cat, uh, to put a punctuation mark on the eighteen point magic victory. So Luke, let's get your thoughts just on that game, that fourth quarter, what we saw out of out of Colin Franz.
2: Yeah, so I mean if you're kind of just looking at everything, I'm a big quarter by quarter guy. I like to you know kind of you know just take it one quarter at a time, right? And so the Magic are down six at the end of that first quarter. They outscored the T Wolves by one in the second. They get you know the T Wolves outscore the Magic by one in the third at this point you know the magic are obviously down and you know you're just hoping that the magic can put together a fourth quarter much like they did tonight right um and they were able to do that and the, and like you said coming at the hands of franz wagner and his 10 points cole um had a big fourth quarter as well i mean that game was so much fun and it and normally is going to be that way with this team it's a team that you go into the night and you're thinking it's very possible that the Magic lose this game. And it, it doesn't matter who they're playing because they're just not a great team right now. So when you go in and you beat a, a team that is you know, promising and the T-Wolves, they look like they can put something together this year. Um, and you go in and you go into Minnesota, Cole Anthony, the, the mayor of Minneapolis, just doing whatever he wants with the T-Wolves, played 38 minutes you know it puts up 31 9 and 8 almost has a you know a, a double double obviously ultimately almost a triple double franz wagner just putting the ball in the hoop 28 points not much on the other you know ends of the the spectrum there besides you know he did fill in with a block and two steals as well just a really fun game man and and it it was just franz wagner just continues to impress me the way that, that he does the things that we talk so much about it just seems like he's getting better at the things he's already good at Right, like he, he is just improving on the things we already know that he's good at. He's he off the ball was incredible, um, and, and was able to you know pick his spots and 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 make the right plays. Man, i mean, he just continues to be so impressive. Zero turnovers. I know that he's a guy that only gets you know doesn't get you know too many assists per game, but the turnover margin we've talked about so much, um, uh, on this show, incredible from him to have zero turnovers and still have the game that he had. Um, five for nine from three. I mean, that that game had the Cole storyline, the Franz storyline, and the huge fourth quarter. I mean, what did we put up, like 43 points or something like that in the fourth? So it, it, incredible, and held them to 19. I mean, they they really hung their hats on their defense in that fourth quarter and their offense. It was really a complete game by them.
1: Yeah, I know, like, um, you know, Kevin and I had the conversation. I know we've talked about, like, the comparisons with Hito Turklu, you know, with Franz Wagner, mm-hmm. and I just feel really confident in, in the fact that, Franz Wagner is going to be very, very good for a really long time. He just conti- he's so consistent night in and night out, like scoring double yeah. digits. I believe in almost every Magic game uh, this season, and he just continues to do things well every night. Like for the amount of time that he does have the ball in his hands throughout the game, he's only averaging point eight turnovers right now. So that just goes to show you, you know, like he really is making very good decisions all of the time. Like uh, yeah. tonight, he cut. And uh, I forget who threw the bounce pass to him, but it hit him in the hands and went out of bounds. Um, I believe it was in the the fourth quarter we were starting to make that comeback. And I turned to my wife and I said, man, it's pretty like Franz couldn't have picked a worse time to make his first mistake of the season. Like, that's really how it feels. The kid just like almost never is in the wrong spot, never messes up. This kid really has a chance to be so good. We'll talk more about the Utah game, but in I believe it was twice in the first quarter, there was a dribble handoff with him and Wendell. He went right at Rudy Gobert and finished with the left hand over the Stifle Tower. And there was, mm-hmm. you know, a few possessions later, you know, he goes right at him again, like in the bag, like two crossover moves. Goes, yeah. I thought, I think it was to his left again. Like he just has so much of a bag that I didn't think we realized. Like he's he's putting the ball behind his back in transition. He's crossing guys over. He's making really good moves. He's got a killer first step. Especially being guarded by bigger guys. Yeah. I think the beginning of the season, Luke, we knew, you know, that Chuma was out. And when we saw the, you know, the starting lineup opening night, you know, Cole, Jalen, Franz, and then Wendell and Mo, we were like, okay, Franz is gonna start now. And then yeah. you know, when um when Chuma comes back, Chuma will play himself back into the starting lineup. <laughs> I've yeah. gotta say, like Chuma, I d I don't wanna like I'm not trying to write Chuma off or like jump to conclusions or anything like that. Chuma hasn't looked quite as good as he did last season. I, I do feel like he's still getting his conditioning back. He's still, you know, knocking off some rust. Right now it seems like he's got a, a limit like just of around twenty minutes. We really mm-hmm. haven't seen him play too much, like past that. Like um against the, the Timberwolves the other night, you know, he played um, what was it in that game? Twenty minutes and thirty seven seconds. And then against the Celtics it stayed it stayed that way, basically. Yeah, yeah 18 and week. a half minutes, uh, 19 minutes, 58 seconds. It looks like he's got like a hard limit at, at 20 right now. Mm-hmm. But um, Franz is just so good. Has, I would say Chuma has a great feel for the game, but I feel like Franz has an even better natural feel for the game. And I think Franz is every bit as good defensively as Chuma, and Franz just gives you a little bit more offensively right now, especially Definitely. because Chuma hasn't been shooting the ball that well. But it's a good problem to have, to have Franz Wagner and Chuma Okiki. We keep talking about this with Mosley. He's going to have some hard decisions to make. I'm very confident that Franz is going to be the starting, you know, small forward on this team for the foreseeable future.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, even like, you know, last year with Chuma, right? You I mean, you're saying he has a, a minutes cap at, at 20, and he does. Last year, he only played like 25 minutes a game. Like, I feel like we we we've, we've made Chuma we we know what Chuma could be but I think that we have made Chuma in our minds to be greater already than he truly is I think he's got a great feel for the game I think he is a great defender but it is not something ridiculous to say that Franz Wagner is better than Chuma Okiki and I, I think that Franz just came in and is contributing at such a high rate his, you were right about you know his double-digit points this season. He's had two, I believe, that were below ten, you know, below double digits, and that was the two losses this week to the Celtics and the Spurs. In which you know one of those games you can't be mad at it. the Magic only scored seventy-nine freaking points against the Celtics. Um, goes on to only you know I think he scored like seven or nine against the Spurs, um, seven on three of eleven shooting. So he had a couple off nights there. He he you know he obviously came off that big game in Minnesota probably still trying to, obviously, he's still trying to find his footing and kind of get his balance of like, okay, what what am I capable of? I just came off of this huge win. And I think a, a huge win, a huge game for myself or my career, kind of where where's the reality for me? And I think that's the thing that a lot of young players struggle with coming off of a big game, right? Their first huge game of their career. They're like, okay, how good am I really? Like, what can I really get away with? And I think Franz is just really trying to figure that out. Franz is getting the shots. He's going to be able to stay in rhythm. I think it is the best situation for him in terms of hopefully, you know, Mosley just continues to start him. Um, regardless, I think that he has a high ceiling. I think his ceiling is higher than Chuma's. I think that his, his um, you know, I I don't know that for sure that Franz could be an all-star one day. It's definitely not a stance I had even a week or two ago um, when we talk about Franz's ceiling. But man, I, the guy is just, he's so good. And I I think that he, like you said, is just going to be really good for a, a long time. He's going to be a key contributor on the, on whatever team he is on. Hopefully that's with the magic for a long time finding success, but Franz just has it, man. Franz has it, and if his shots falling, even if his shot's not falling, he is still so valuable on the court because he's not gonna make stupid passes. He's not gonna play terrible defense, he's not gonna, you know, knock it back on defense, he's gonna ring the bell. I mean, this is a this is a guy that despite what he's given you, you know, shooting the ball, he's still going to be making the right plays, making the right cuts, things like that. And obviously, you know, ob- you know, is always gonna be giving you those winning plays.
1: I think um obviously like he was bound to come down to earth like, a little bit, you know, because he right. was playing so well. So, like, right now he's sitting at 13.7 points, shooting mm-hmm. almost 47% from the floor, almost 39% from the three-point line. And yeah. the I feel like the stats are kind of skewed because the last two games, like, the stats here are not updated with the stats from tonight, um, but they were skewed by pretty poor offensive performances against the Celtics, against the Spurs. Uh, but I, I think teams are starting to pay attention to Franz where you know the first seven or eight games wasn't really on the scouting report and now it's like Cole Anthony Wendell Carter and then Franz Wagner like those are the guys in at least in that starting lineup that offensively like you really have to keep an eye on or they're going to hurt you but I am just incredibly confident in the fact that Franz is just going to continue to get better and he's going to be very 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 good Okay, so let's go ahead and we're going to move on to the second game of the week here. Um, game two, Wednesday, home versus the Celtics. So we have to talk about it? We do. We do, we do, we do. Mm, that is unfortunate. It is. Um, Orlando had their first <laughs> halftime lead of the season in this game with a 46-44 to lead after two yeah. quarters. Um, Orlando shot 40% to Boston's 36% in the first half. That was really the difference you're up two at the end of the first half. And then really the Celtics stepped it up defensively in the third quarter. Mostly a lot of switching with Marcus Smart, just constantly switching him onto the ball handler. Uh, Luke, 10 of Orlando's first 12 attempts in the third quarter came from three. This is really where the team, after a hot shooting night in Minnesota, it really felt like the team was just trying to get it all back in one possession. Um, mm-hmm. it was just, It was just bad offense. We were not seeing the team play with pace, space in the past, the way that Mosley has been preaching the entire season. Um one of those 3s did come at the end of the shot clock so it's like okay it's your you know last second the ball's got to go up but four of those 10 attempts Luke came with 12 or more seconds left on the shot clock two of them came with 16 or more seconds left on the shot clock meaning they dribbled the ball up the court they made one pass and that guy just fired it up that's not good offense a young team it's easy to fall in love with the jump shot especially when you're trying to come back in a game but it was just it was really detrimental to the offensive flow in this game uh, Orlando shot 2 for 17 in the third quarter scored a season low 10 points in the quarter the magic were down by 19 heading into the fourth unable to mount a comeback in the fourth and they lost 92 to 79 so you played defensively well enough to win this game but the shots were just not falling Orlando shot 32% from the floor, 27 of 84, 9 of 43 from behind the arc, 20.9% from the three-point line, Luke. Only guy that I think you could actually argue played well in this game was Wendell Carter, 13 points, 5 of 12 from the floor, 13 rebounds. Everyone else, it was just like a mech, like kind of night. like Nobody really shot the ball particularly well. Um and yeah, I mean, when you're shooting the ball like that, you have a third quarter like that where you score ten points. You're just not going to win many games in the NBA, man.
2: Yeah, I think you know, like you talked about, the third quarter was su- it was such a head scratcher for everybody. I mean, you like you said, you're putting up those threes, and it you know while the boss, you know, the Boston's in rhythm. Like you said, played well defensively, uh, specifically in the third or the second and the fourth quarter fourth quarter at that point i'm sure you know the celtics just kind of seemed to be taking their foot off the gas a little bit there only gave up 17 fourth quarter points 18 second quarter points but yeah i mean you score 10 points in a quarter and i can guarantee you, i can tell you who wins that game nine times out of ten right so uh, a lot of it really did have to do with um i think You know, Mosley could have utilized timeouts better in those in those moments, you know, where you're just jacking up threes early in the shot clock, maybe drawing up more plays um, so that guys don't, you know, have we don't have that happening, something to get it in, you know, inside and have someone cut. I mean, there are just so many options that don't end in a 10 point quarter. It's astounding to me. Um, I, I really do think that their quarter for me was really on Mosley um, there. You know, it's hard not to put it on the coach when you only score that many points in a quarter. So um, really stunk because you did play well defensively, but you just played so bad offensively. Um, again, like you said, coming off of, you know, the, you know, two nights before you were, you know, just tearing down the city of Minneapolis. Right. So like you, you felt like you could do anything. You have your first, first half lead of the season against Boston and then you just throw it out the window at that third quarter, and it—I it, mean, it—it it, it sucked, quite frankly, to only put up seventy-nine in a in a game.
1: Box score for the Celtics: Jalen Brown ends up with twenty-eight points, a team high for the Celtics. Ten of seventeen from the floor, three of eight from three. He added five rebounds, three assists, one steal. Yeah, the Celtics game was not a lot of fun, Luke, and uh, neither was the game um, against San Antonio uh, on Friday night. So, Game Three versus San Antonio. This was a rematch. Of the season opener in San Antonio, mm-hmm. where the Magic lost 123 to 97, so I'm sure these guys were really eager to, you know, play well in this <laughs> game, and they really didn't. Um, rough shooting uh, from the Celtics game carried over as the Magic shot just eight of 26 from the floor in the first, including Wendell Carter Jr. shooting one for 10 in the first quarter. Magic trailed 13 at the half. Orlando was able to cut the deficit to 10 heading into the fourth quarter. But they were unable to put enough solid defensive possessions together. Just trading baskets with the Spurs. uh, Let the Spurs shoot 56% in the fourth quarter. Magic lose 102 to 89. So this was really the second game in a row. Uh, You know, Magic did not shoot the ball well, 39% from the floor. Biggest thing for me in this game, Luke, was the 18 turnovers. We saw this from the Spurs in game one of the regular season. Magic get off to a good start. San Antonio goes into this 2-1-2, like, half-court trap, kind of like three-quarter court press. They basically did it from, like, the very beginning of the game, trying to speed up the young guys. Evident Cole Anthony, five turnovers. Jalen Suggs, five turnovers. Uh, Chuma Okiki, two turnovers. Terrence Ross, three turnovers. We're going to talk at length about Terrence Ross at some point. Um, I don't feel like this is the night to do it. We're on, you know, such a high from the the win against the Jazz but this is this was, like, really kind of inexcusable for me. Terrence Ross, 27 minutes, 0 of 2 from the floor, 2 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, give him the steals. But, like, a guy that's supposed to be the veteran on the team playing 27 minutes gets 2 shot attempts up. I know that in the second unit, teams are laser-focused, especially a team as well-prepared and well-coached as the San Antonio Spurs by Greg Popovich. I, I don't know totally who is at fault. I do feel like a lot most of it is on Terrence just not shooting the ball well. Um, but it does feel like Mosley has to do a better job of getting Terrence open. But twenty seven minutes, two shot attempts out of your veteran when the team desperately needs your offense is like inexcusable. It, it's kinda I, I don't wanna liken it to that infamous uh Phoenix game that Kobe had. Uh, in the playoffs where he just didn't shoot the entire second half because he was upset, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that you know guys weren't giving him the ball. But 27 minutes, two shot attempts. Again, we'll talk about Terrence Ross at length at some point. Um, but this game in particularly, you just didn't get anything from your veterans. Looking at Gary Harris, almost 20 minutes, one of six from the floor, you know, four, I mean, five rebounds, one, one assist, one block like everyone was bad this night but particularly the veterans when this is a season that you are so heavily going to be relying on the veterans to pick you up in games like this get you back in the game and it just it never happened and it seems like it's becoming a problem
2: yeah yeah i mean the, the veteran presence is is obviously pivotal for your locker tonight, room chemistry Harris. and things right and and what t Ross against the next it wasn't it with that when he had that huge quarter, the fourth quarter and the magic you know one had thirty six point quarter one one ten to one oh four I mean we you know don't get us wrong, we have seen the veterans step up but but it's weird, it's like when they're when they're good, they're great, but when they're bad, they're atrocious, right, I mean, two shots from and it's t been Ross more of the latter that evening. that's got it. T. Ross played, like, 20, what, 26 minutes or something that game? I don't know what it was off the top of my head. Minutes, 25, 27. Seconds, so 27 okay. minutes. Okay, so he plays 26 minutes that game, um, puts up two shots. I'd like to know the last time Terrence Ross put up two shots in that many minutes. Because
1: I, I would like to know the last time he put up that many shot attempts in a game. I don't care <laughs> right. if he played five minutes. He's getting at right. least three or four shot attempts. So
2: so I don't know what it was because, honestly, I would have to – You know, that was one of those things where, like, in, in the moment, you're not thinking about T. Ross that much because he's not making an impact, right? So you look at the box score and it's like, what? He shot the ball twice? That's it? So for me, I honestly like I I'm I'm interested to go back and watch that game and just watch the possessions fold, you know how they unfold. Is T. Ross just kind of stand there? Is he open? Are they just not hitting him? What is going on that T. Ross is just hitting two shots in that amount of time uh, of gameplay? It really inexcusable from him. And I know we said we weren't going to talk about it at length about him, but here we are. Um. So yeah, I mean it, it is unfortunate. Um. Veterans need to you know be there more often even if they're giving me a little less than their best because like when t Ross scores that many you know uh, against the knicks that's great but that's a game that's easy to get up for right like that's a game that's easy to get up for but maybe you know it's just not as sexy to get up for the game where you're playing a team that has you know two or three wins at the time you play them and the spurs so i don't know man there there's some weird stuff going on as far as the veterans go, specifically T. Ross, I'm not sure what it is, man, but um, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how the season unfolds with with all of them.
1: Again, we're going to have like the in depth conversation about yeah. what what's going on with Terrence or what's going on with Gary Harris, although he was good tonight. At some point, we're going to like actually dive deeper into that. But just to give you some context, the last time that he played that many minutes, having that few shot attempts. Or really, a game in general with that few shot, shot attempts was four seasons ago. Has not wow. done that at all in the last three seasons. So, you know, people can say, "Oh, it's just been eleven games." You're jumping to conclusions. That is anything. If if I'm David Steele, that is anything. <laughs> so something yeah. is going on, and um, yeah, we'll we'll have that conversation uh, at some point, but not tonight. Looking at the box score uh, for the Spurs. Dejounte Murray, um, who's really just been a menace in both games that we've played them this year, twenty points, eleven rebounds, seven assists, nine of sixteen from the floor. I really, really enjoy watching Dejounte Murray play. I don't, I don't enjoy the Magic playing against him, but he is a lot of fun to watch play basketball. Luke. Uh, So yeah, let's go ahead take a quick break. A word from our friends at Manscaped, and then we'll talk about this game against the Jazz. Guys, it is football season, baby, and you know what that means? It means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier, and it's time you join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using code SIXTH, that's S-I-X-T-H, at manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping. It's three and out the window with all other trimmers. Now go tame that wildcat offense.
2: The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is the perfect package for your package and a key for a great grooming and hygiene routine to make sure the boys downstairs are smooth like Tom Brady in the fourth quarter. The brand new lawnmower 4.0 is here to take your defense to the next level. This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code 6th, at
1: manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code SIX, S I S-I-X-T-H. Stiff arm your pubes out of the playoffs this year with Manscaped. All right, Luke, Sunday night against the Utah Jazz. We just finished this game uh, about an hour and a half ago now. So Utah coming into this game the second night of a back-to-back. After a 118-115 to loss to the Miami Heat on Saturday. And they traveled to Orlando. Uh, The Magic were up by as much as 15 in the first quarter. Like really blitzed Utah. Like got off to a great start. Everybody was hitting shots. I believe they hit their first five shots from the floor. Um, Quinn Snyder called a timeout. Like everything. The Magic really had it going. Utah, however, responds with a big second quarter to take a two-point lead into the half. Uh, Orlando started the fourth quarter down 10. Wendell Carter, R.J. Hampton, Gary Harris, we'll talk more about them, but all of those guys played the entire fourth quarter, were huge parts of the comeback tonight. But with six minutes, 36 seconds to go, Franz Wagner subbed in for Chuma Okiki to give the Magic a lineup of Cole Anthony, R.J. Hampton, Gary Harris, Franz Wagner, Wendell Carter, and that group closed the game on a 19-9 run. Magic made their last five shots from the field, in a row to end the game so they started the game that way they ended the game that way hitting five shots in a row look I want to talk about RJ Hampton and Cole Anthony I'm gonna pull up the uh, the play-by-play from this game because it's it's just really interesting to me so um, here it is so with five minutes 43 seconds to go in the game um, Joe Ingles goes to make a corner pass Cole Anthony reads it perfectly, grabs it with the left hand, runs the other way, huge dunk. I don't know if there are more exciting things to watch in the NBA than Cole Anthony on a breakaway where you know he's taking like one step after the free throw line, (laughs) flying through the air and jamming it. Because watching the game, you can tell he's a smaller guy. But the amount of bounce that this kid has is absolutely ridiculous. So that gives the Magic. I believe that was the first lead of the half to put the Magic up 92-91, to 91, 543 to go in the game. They come down the other end. Donovan Mitchell misses a three, uh, gets the rebound, gets it to Royce O'Neal, who hits a three, to put the Jazz back up too. Okay? RJ turns the ball over. Donovan Mitchell turns the ball over. Then Franz Wagner gets a steal coming the other way. Gets it to to Cole, who then dunks it again, this time with the left hand. Opposite hand. hand. Opposite hand. um, Ties the game up, okay? Teams kind of go back and forth, back and forth. Rudy Gobert gets a dunk, puts the Jazz up 2, 3.41 to go. And then R.J. Hampton, a couple series later, with the driving reverse layup over Rudy Gobert, it sat on the rim for what felt like an eternity (laughs) to tie the game up. They go the other way. Cole Anthony fouls Rudy Gobert. He makes both free throws. They go back up to And Two minutes, 19 seconds left to go in this game. You're like, okay, young team. We don't have Mo Bamba in the game. We don't have Jalen Suggs in the game. Guys that usually close out the game for us alongside Wendell, Cole Anthony, Franz Wagner. At one point, you see Mo Bamba come to the scores table, get ready to check in. Then a couple series later, he's sitting back down. We'll talk more about that. That and mm-hmm. how all of that came to happen, but R.J. Hampton comes down. Okay, didn't look totally sure of what he was going to do, but ends <laughs> up with the the uh, pull up. I believe it was from the left elbow to tie the yep. game at 98 all. Royce O'Neal misses a big three. R.J. Hampton gets a huge rebound. Cole Anthony comes back the other way. Doesn't totally know what he look, look, what he's going to do. He hits a 19 foot jumper. Donovan Mitchell turns the ball over. Cole Anthony comes down again, hits the jump shot. Donovan Mitchell has a layup. Now it's a two-point game with 44 seconds left. Cole Anthony comes down with the ball, almost turns the ball over like three times. Guys are diving on the floor. (laughs) Gary Harris is on the floor. Somehow R.J. Hampton breaks open from the right wing for a three. Just a huge shot for this kid who's so young. Cole talked after the game how he's been a little bit frustrated, not really getting the playing time that he deserved, but he hits that three with twenty one seconds left, and I tweeted that it was the RJ Hampton dagger. People were like, wait a minute, we don't know what's about to happen. And I knew the game was over. I just I knew we would have it. But basically, like we end the game on Cole Anthony free throws one oh seven to one hundred, crazy fourth quarter. RJ Hampton's defense on Donovan Mitchell in the fourth quarter was incredible. We yeah. almost kind of put like the clamps on Donovan Mitchell down the stretch. There it was really a sight to behold, but like Cole Anthony is evolving into that guy right in front of our eyes and RJ Hampton, eight fourth quarter points, Luke, this feels like it could be the game that RJ get, gets the kind of confidence that it seems like he's been lacking. A lot of the times he doesn't quite look sure of what he's doing with the ball in his hands, but this was a huge fourth quarter. Obviously, obviously, Huge win over one of the best teams in the league. I'm done talking.
2: Yeah, so I think that, and I obviously will. I'll I'll respond to RJ and and Cole and Cole being just who we have come to know who Cole is, um, especially in crunch time, um, in all the positive and negative ways, which I'll also get to. But. I think, you know, I took, you know, just kind of was, was noting things throughout the first quarter mainly. I it was, you know, I was watching the game as I could. Those games, I, by the way, unpopular opinion maybe, I don't like these early games um, just because it's during, like, dinner time and Harper's bedtime and Lauren's got a meeting for her. All that stuff aside, right, on the first quarter, I'm locked in to this game I'm taking notes on everything um, one of my notes uh, it's kind of funny to look back at everything so first I kind of noted at the beginning of the game Jonathan you get rolling with the bomba block on bogdanovich uh, followed by a WCj you know short jumper over Gobert and then a wcj3 from the top and then another WCj3 at the 824 mark left in the first quarter um and then one of the the funnier you know things that to catch kind of look at no clue how Suggs finished that one-on three fast break that was one of my notes no idea Suggs had that in that first quarter, had that finish where it just looked like I was telling him to slow down verbally, right? Like you got one on three, slow down, and he somehow gets it to fall. Um, But kind of this note from the first quarter, you could just basically just copy and paste to the fourth quarter in terms of the success of the Magic were having. Active hands and great help defense. And I wrote that down after Cole Anthony stripped Whiteside um, down low, um, and then WCJ had the block on Whiteside with help defense with 445 left in the first quarter. So that all, like, you know, WCJ wasn't over there. He came over to help on on, uh, on side Whiteside because Whiteside had a favorable matchup, um, got the block on him. Bomba blocked Ingles. He had two first quarter blocks. I mean, they, they were everywhere. So that really was like the theme of the game for me was active hands and great help defense. And that's what Mosley talked on, you know, in his press conference, one of the things he talked about was, you know, we're going to have to hang our hats on our defense and on the pass, right? Um, Defense definitely was a a huge thing tonight for the magic. The jazz, you know, barely break a hundred. They get a hundred points tonight. Now, I said my piece. Now I want to respond kind of to that whole sequence that you did, you know, go into detail with 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 RJ and Cole. RJ stumbles into great situations sometimes, right? That that three. He was just there. OK, Cole and one of this is, goes into the negative of Cole, the, the Cole Anthony experience. This is the negative of it. Right. And then I'm going to just say all positives from there on out for Cole. It's, it, it felt like on that possession where he comes down, that pivotal moment of the fourth quarter, Jonathan, it felt like it was going to be one of those moments where I text in the group chat and say, Cole's doing too much. I text Kevin. and Kevin texted something the other day in our chat saying that and you know during the first half of one of the games that we had. I can't remember where it was, but Cole's doing too much, right? Cole's confident, and we love that about him, but it comes with its pros and cons. That was one of them. RJ Hampton knocks down that three. Huge shot, right? Um so for me, it was an incredible RJ Hampton game. Do I think he will be involved in a lot of start closing lineups for this season? No, I don't. Um, even if Ji wasn't back and Markel wasn't back, I would still say the same thing. Right? It's just it was a it was a perfect game for him. All eight points come in the fourth quarter. He picked a great time to to have to have a great time. Right? So um, you know, still ends the game with I think one assist and. turnovers so just did have those plays where he just kind of looked here in the headlights a little bit like you said he he has that to him sometimes but um yeah man i I, as far as rj goes incredible game i hope we can see more from him because that defense that he did put on in the fourth quarter was incredible mose touched on that as well i do want to give him his props there defensively he was incredible he was flying around he was making the right plays he was clamping and uh yeah i mean he was great cole cole's gonna call right 13 of 20 from the field five of 10 from three just one of those out-of-body experiences where he drops 30 you know over 30 um had 33 tonight uh, is it I out think, of
1: body can we i feel like we can almost stop saying that it's this is happening on a regular three. basis
2: right i get it i get it but but five of ten from three i mean is yeah pretty it's out 50. of body
1: <laughs> that, i mean this year it, it's it's not I mean, we'll see. Yeah. Is, I mean, the kid is shooting 41% mm-hmm. from three on the season. That's yeah. going to come with some so, five of 10 nights. It's going to come with some two of 10 nights.
2: Right. I mean, it doesn't matter how you get there, I guess. Right. So, I mean, it's, I would rather him just be kind of steady Eddie right in the middle. Give me four for four, for nine, four for 10 every night. That'd be great. 40% from three instead of, you know, spare me the O for tens. It's but a roller coaster. It is kind of Cole Anthony It is. is a roller coaster. Yeah, no doubt. And, um, and you know his 33 points i mean he he, incredible i mean he was he was incredible tonight um great team defense as well i mean like you talk about that steal that he had he had three steals tonight make sure i'm reading that right yeah he had three steals tonight most notably the 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 steal that he had um where it ended in you know his punctuation dunk but by the way when he dunks jonathan it looks like they showed like a slow-mo thing it looks like he's trying to walk like run on water like his his legs are he's moving that and like churning. westbrook
1: type of i'm trying to destroy the rim kind yeah it of looks painful i know his i breaks. know
2: his wrist hurts back from my days of dunking on an eight and a half foot rim oh yeah of course. i know that wrist hurts yeah but um but yeah no i mean he, he looks like he's flying through the air but uh yeah, I mean that that's kind of really all I have to say to respond to kind of your your RJ and Cole recap. Um I think that it's far more likely that we see that from Cole through the rest of the season than we are from RJ. But I am glad that it was kind of that next man up mentality. RJ said, I'm getting the minutes that I that I think I deserve here. I'm closing. I think I should close. I'm sure he thinks that and has the confidence to think that. And he made the most of it. I mean, I, I really was you know proud of his performance tonight in the fourth quarter. Um especially defensively and obviously, you know, hits that big three.
1: Yeah. So we talked, you know, last week about how good Cole has been and Cole has unequivocally yeah. been like arguably the second best player out of last year's draft so far to start this year. Like the only guy that I think you can really say has gotten off to a better start than Cole out of these second year players is LaMelo Ball. Like he's he's scoring more than Anthony Edwards. He's been more efficient than Anthony Edwards. He looked in way better than Anthony Edwards, and their head-to-head matchup was more efficient. All that kind of stuff. Like Cole needs to really start to get his flowers around the season. Dude, We've seen some folks he, not do that. He
2: had he had uh, he does this a lot, obviously, but tonight for whatever reason, I don't remember who was on it. Maybe Royce O'Neill. Poor Royce O'Neill. Oh my um, gosh. Oh my god. Just feel bad for the could, kid. Let's, but
1: let's talk about that for like a a, a split second here. So that was. Pretty late in the fourth. I don't remember exactly when it was, but Royce must have been like jawing to Wendell because Wendell isn't really the kind of guy that tries (laughs) to show anyone up. But Wendell like seals Royce O'Neal really, really deeply, gets the ball, absolutely hooks with the left hand, but the officiating in this game was so bad. I'm I'm really, I I said it, I could care less, I couldn't care less.
2: You, you use the right form, but I couldn't care less. couldn't care less. There um, you go. So the Magic 11 free that.
1: throws in this game, the Jazz shot 29. So Wendell hooking him and, and you know dunking, I didn't care whatsoever, but then just hit him with. You can't really. I can't do it. It doesn't look as good on camera. He's too little. But just he was, hits him He was with holding it to the ground. Like it, saying like he's this six tall. Six inches from the ground. Like it was right. very much lower than yeah. people normally go with that. <laughs> much lower. Yeah. Yeah. Very he called him like. Christmas is
2: coming up. He, he told him he looked like the. Uh, the guy that Buddy the Elf calls the South Pole elf and uh and elf oh, Peter Dinklage or whatever that, his name is like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um but, but uh but yeah, no, that was hilarious. No, but what I was gonna say real quick was um I wanted to highlight Cole has this ridiculous ability to hit somebody with a crossover and all of a sudden he's got three feet of space on the three point line. He didn't hit the three in this play that I was like, my jaw almost hit the floor, but Cole just like dribbled up with confidence Hit him once with a crossover. The dude was over in just Russia for all I know. And Cole is wide open. Doesn't hit the three. But my goodness, man, like if there is not enough to be said about the separation that Cole can provide for as small as he is and just the length that he is not at an advantage with. I mean, it is ridiculous how clearly open he can get himself sometimes. And that was one of those times where I was just like, poor Royce O'Neal. I mean, you're just getting the the, the the short end of the stick in so many different ways tonight. Our whole team is doing You're really dirty. I apologize.
1: I feel like uh, we uh, we owe Lethal Shooter a little thank you because his work with uh, young Cole Anthony so far to start yeah. the season has paid off. Last thing I wanted to say about Cole is you and I talked last week about how I kind of felt like we were waiting the other shoe to drop with Cole. Like he had started so hot. It's like, is this for real or is he just really hot to start the season? and? Then he'll kind of go back to the more inefficient kind of volume score that we were accustomed to seeing the second half Mm -hmm. of last year. And the the game against the Celtics, 4 of 18 from the floor, 22% in 37 minutes, 2 of 11 from the three-point line. I was like, okay, maybe that's about to happen. But then bounces back with a 21.8 of 18 from the floor. Not incredibly efficient, but good enough. And then tonight, 13 of 20, 65% from the floor. Just you could not ask you know more of, of what Cole Anthony is doing right now. He's absolutely been the, the second best player this year out of um, you know last year's draft class. So huge props to Cole Anthony. Last thing that I wanted to talk about of this Utah game, we mentioned that sen- that sequence where Mo Bamba goes, he's sitting on the scores table getting ready to check in, then all of a sudden he's not. Jamal mm-hmm. Mosley said after the game that Mo went up to him and said, "Coach, this group is rolling." Like leave them in. I'm good. Like I'm, I'm good to sit. And this is the thing that we know about Mo Bamba. Mo wanted to be in that game. It's not that Mo didn't want to be out there. He just knew that those guys were giving us the best chance to win at the moment. And you ride the hot hand. And props to Mo Bamba. Props to Mosley for saying, you know what? You're right. Let's leave these guys in. And As much as we can criticize Jamal Mosley for certain missteps that he's had so far to start the season, you got to give the guy credit where credit is due. He has shown the ability to adapt, he has shown the ability to, you know, grow from game to game and make adjustments. And we begged Steve Clifford to do that for three (laughs) seasons, and he never, ever would. And did it lose us that many games? Maybe not. Um, you know, you could probably count on, you know, your hands and your feet, those digits, maybe the amount of games that that lost us over the course of three years, but it's just a feel thing when you have a hot hand, when you have a group that is being successful, you ride them until they are not successful. Props to Mo, props to Jamal for going with what was working in the moment and it worked and we won.
2: Yeah, and I mean, again, Jonathan, can you tell me, remind me? So the 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 closing group for Orlando, right? You you had Cole, you had what Gary, Cole, RJ, you had Gary, RJ, Franz. Franz. So who in that rotation do you think Mo is? Mo taking RJ? Out of the game, or Gary Harris out of the game? Do you think?
1: Well, what would have happened is Mo would have come back in, and then a couple of minutes after that, maybe a minute after that, Jalen would have come back in. Like, right. Cole came in for RJ. I think around like the seven-minute mark, somewhere around there. And then when Mosley decided with Mo that this group was rolling, just let them in, keep them in the game. He decided, okay, we're just gonna ride these guys the rest of the way, and it paid off. So, yeah, Yeah. I think Mo probably would have came in for either Gary or RJ, and then Jalen would have came in for the other guy, and it would have been the normal you know, kind of closing lineup that we've seen. Now, I don't think this is going to continue. We might see this in other scenarios, just where Mosley rides the hot hand, but I don't think we're going to see that lineup on a regular basis as the closing group.
2: No, and it shouldn't be, right? It, It all should be kind of the feeling of the game, reactionary, basically, right? I mean, if you told me that you know last season it that cliff closed the night with a guy who up to that point had been playing 17.8 minutes per game take away the fact that it's rj hampton right now right take away that just say like hey cliff, cliff has been playing this guy almost 18 minutes a game do you think there's any way that he closes a game i say no shot right no shot at all so for him to do that was great um, and then Gary Harris, twenty minutes, you know, twenty-one minutes a game right now, um, not including tonight. So, and he closes. I mean, this was just a very atypical closing lineup. And I, you know, I, I, I mean, really, just applaud M- Mosley for that, right? And Mo, I mean, Mo, like he didn't have to do that. Mo, you know, Mo, any player is, is is as confident and young as this team is. Any player on the team, I think, would have been like, "Nah, I'm, I'm getting mine. Right, I'm gonna go in the game. I'm gonna change the game. I'm gonna close this game, and I'm gonna get a lot of respect because I'm closing a game against the second, third best team in the West right now, you know, per their record. Right? So, so I incredible. And Mo, just to continue off of that, Mo last season would have killed to be in the closing lineup. I don't know if Mo has that same interaction last year that he did tonight with like with Cliff, right? Because, but can you imagine Cliff finally well, puts it, him it in the game closing them to speak to one another? So right, exactly. So, but but in all seriousness, man, like, do you think Mo would have had like the gall to tell Clifford like, hey, thanks for this decision to put me in to close the game, but I I'm good, man. No, it's because Mosley is just like he respects Mo Bamba, like. It, Mosley has, has all the respect in the world for Mo Bamba, it seems. Giving him the fair shot that he you know deserves, what we were screaming for last year, Mo Bamba, I think his attitude has probably done a complete 180 from what it was last year. Now, I can't speak to it, but I can imagine that like the treatment that he got from Cliff last year really probably rubbed him the wrong way, right? No one was happier, and we've said this before, no one was happier to see a new head coach roll, roll in the door than Mo Bamba was. And, and here he is, you know, doing a whole 180, telling the coach, no, nah, I'm good, coach. Like, these guys are doing their thing. Let it, let it happen. And let the chips fall where they may, and I don't really care. Like, I, I won't regret it. It's essentially what he was telling, right? So, I mean, who knows what the outcome is of that game if if Bomba Tech Shen checks in. Does he make some good plays? Probably. But did, did the Magic win the game? We have no idea. But I'm I'm glad that Mo stepped up and made that decision. I mean, that's a... A mature move to make and something that you know that's that's the growth that you can't measure right by statistics that's can, the growth that we're seeing in these guys
1: yeah you can definitely tell how much more confident Mo Bamba has grown really just like the last month you know like starting mm-hmm. you know going back to preseason and and now that he's you know been starting and you know he's, he's playing a ton of minutes you, his confidence is just really really evident and he was really, I thought, one of the unsung heroes of that fourth quarter in Minnesota. He played really great defense on Carl uh, Anthony Towns. Uh, I believe he had a couple of blocks in the fourth quarter. He had some really big rebounds as well um, to get the Magic, you know, back down the other floor and you know, let letting uh, you know Franz and, and Cole Anthony just keep getting buckets. So Mo Bamba, you, you and I have talked about this almost, you know, at nauseum. I feel like. But Mo Bamba has just been so good. I think you still have to give the slight edge to Wendell, especially after a game like tonight we'll get into the box score. Wendell Carter, 22 points, 15 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 block, 9 of 14 from the floor, 4 of 7 from 3. This this was a Nikola Vucevic type of stat line tonight out of Wendell Carter. was just totally phenomenal. Looking at Cole Anthony, 33 points, 24 points in the second half. Again, 13 of 20 from the floor. I want to give a lot of guys love here. R.J. Hampton, eight points, all of those coming in the fourth quarter. Uh, Gary Harris, I think six of his eight points came in the fourth quarter. Uh, Mo Bamba, nine points tonight, but seven rebounds, four blocks. The thing with Mo, and we'll talk a little bit more about Mo here. The thing with Mo is even if he doesn't block the shot, he is almost always altering the shot now. Yeah. And I think you only see that with the true elite shot blockers in the league. Like you see that with Gobert, you see that out of Mitchell Robinson. Right. Like the the presence that Mo has in the paint defensively now, I think is so so valuable. I, I just I keep we've seen enough now to know that this Mo Bamba is for real. That we weren't just going to see this for a few games and then he's you know going to go and do whatever. Now whether or not he stays healthy, that's another discussion. But I'm very confident, and I said this the day that the announcement um, for Wendell's extension came out that this sets up things getting a little bit complicated in the offseason now. Mo Bamba having, you know, his best friend, you know, Cole Anthony there and you know RJ Hampton. And as close as these guys seem to be, and after this win tonight, you could see it on the floor how happy they were to get the win, how happy they were for one another. I feel like Mo wants to stick around. And if the magic offer him a reasonable deal, even if it's kind of discounted for what he might be able to get on the open market, I think he wants to stay here. And I think we've talked about this.
2: They can coexist. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And and like I said last week, I think this conversation really doesn't need to be had as much anymore about the difference between Mo and WCJ and who's better and who's not. Um, So yeah, man. I I think that gun to that your head. We'll, we'll who's see. your starting center? window Yeah, exactly. I I think I, it's just he is so consistent, man. Like he is someone that like I don't I don't feel like I don't feel like I need to, to to force him anything. I don't feel like oh we're not using you know we're not using him as much as we should or like whatever. WCJ just is a is a plug and play and and doesn't require any type of system he can step out hit a three and like he he's great he's great i i don't i don't really have a problem with him which is a couple inches taller right but i i think we could say that for all of our players uh besides mo maybe um so so yeah man i i think that um i think wcj he's the he's the starting center that i'd roll with i think mo will be good coming in with the second unit unit um, and I, I hope that he doesn't feel some type of way about it. I don't think he will. I think Mosley is earning his trust. They're earning each other's trust. It's going to be interesting to, to, to see kind of what that rotation looks like when everybody's back. If that ever freaking happens, I don't, I, it feels like it's never going to happen. I feel like this is just our team and that's, that's all it is. I really hope a month and a half
1: from now, we're looking at a different Orlando magic team with Markel back with Jonathan Isaac back. Let me ask you this really quickly. Um, Luke, because it feels like the conversation is going to need to be had, obviously by Jamal Mosley. Everyone healthy right now, who would your starting five be?
2: Everyone healthy? Um, I'm, I'm very visual. Okay, so Markel at the one, Cole at the two, Franz, J.I., WCJ.
1: Doesn't that sound phenomenal? That sounds like a very good basketball team.
2: It does. It sounds like a a respectable team, right? It it sounds like we come into games and we're like, we have a chance to win tonight instead of saying we have a chance to lose tonight. (laughs) Um, Regardless of the percentage chances, that's not, we won't get into it, but like uh, it it does seem like a, it's a respectable starting lineup.
1: And then your second unit probably looks something like Jalen, RJ, Chuma, Mo Bamba. And then Terrence Ross and Gary Harris can fight to the death. For that tenth <laughs> spot, and you know, give it to whoever you want. Luke, isn't that
2: isn't that, that that crazy? Real quick, that that's kind of crazy, right? Like they've T. Been Ross bad. last. I don't want to again. But I don't want to get into I this know. whole thing, but they've been bad. I know, but but last year it was like six man of the year candidate start of the year, right? Like T. Ross. How about T. Ross, the Human Torch? Huh? I still love Terrence, it's like, but like whoa. Yeah, he I doesn't know, seem but it, but it's happy just happy right now. I don't know if no, it's, it's the just, losing it's I don't crazy. know if it's his
1: role, I don't know what's going on, but he does not look like He probably knows he's always on the table. Terrence Ross, I guess. He
2: probably he probably knows it's a, at any moment he could get a call and they could say he's being traded. I think that that's probably the thing. I think he's just waiting on it.
1: But do you think he <laughs> wants that? That's the thing that I I'm not sure of. I have no idea. People people I'd are to, accusing him of that. I don't think that's fair. People are accusing him of just wanting to be out. I I just don't know. I don't I I don't know.
2: I'm not saying it's not possible. It's possible. He could one out. He could one out. And and at the end of the day, man, maybe that's what's best in terms of like we just ride with Gary Harris at the end of our bench. Um I don't know, man. This is the other but thing. I, People
1: are talking about just benching Gary Harris. You can't bench a guy that's making twenty two million dollars that you hope to trade <laughs> at some point this year. That just yeah. doesn't happen. No, it's a. Like showcase. you look at you the history of the NBA, playing. a guy making twenty two million dollars that you are hoping to actually trade and you know get an asset back for, you do not bench him.
2: It's they end up getting bought out.
1: That's I'm starting to feel like that's more likely that some type of buyout happens.
2: Yeah, definitely like, not right out of the before question. Before the All
1: Star break, something like that. Right. A wrapping up the Jazz game, a Quick look at the box score for the Utah Jazz. Rudy Gobert, 21 points, 15 rebounds, 7 of 9 from the floor. Obviously incredibly efficient, but 7 of 8 from the free throw line tonight, 87%. thought he had a real chance to hurt us there. The officiating, I don't like to complain about the officiating, but the officiating tonight was just so bad and inconsistent. Something would happen on the the yellow end. They would get the call. It would happen on our end, and we just weren't getting the same call. Props to Cole Anthony for actually calling them out on their BS tonight. I feel like this team needs more of that, even though... You see guys across the league berate the officials no technical foul tonight Cole Anthony got called for a technical foul you end up winning the game so
2: I'll take that a million times by the way for for those of y'all who haven't looked um usually I don't blame refs for anything right I say you know normally I'd say yeah well you know the the magic you know shouldn't have played as poorly as they did or whatever it might have been the magic shouldn't have gotten out scored thirty seven to twenty two The free throw differential, the Jazz shot 29 free throws. The Magic shot 11.
1: A lot of times I feel like you can blame it on a team settling for three-pointers, but the Magic shot 10 less three-pointers than the Utah Jazz tonight. So you can't just say, oh, you know, the Magic were settling for jumpers, not being as aggressive, you know, getting to the basket, all that kind of stuff. The Magic also ended up with four more points in the paint tonight. So that just goes to show you they were also being more aggressive at getting to the rim. So it just really was a one sided whistle tonight. I, I, I really, really felt like that. Yep. So yeah, this game wraps up the Magic win one hundred to one oh seven over the Utah Jazz. Luke, taking a look this coming week, the last couple weeks we've had like really packed weeks. And this week it's like the guys get a few days off, they play a game, they get a few guys off a few days off, they play a game. The Magic don't play again until Wednesday. So they'll probably be off tomorrow, practice on Tuesday. You know, kind of tighten some things up as the Nets come to town. So they'll take on the Nets Wednesday at seven o'clock, and they've got Thursday and Friday off before they play the Washington Wizards. So the Magic are going to get some like really quality practice time in this week, which I think is really really important for a young team, especially to tighten things up. They're definitely going to need it. You know, the Nets. They're going to uh, need it. Let's just get this. I've got them going zero and two on the week.
2: <laughs> yep. Yep. Sounds I think about right. we're in. I think we're in a Grants. I think yeah. this is an zero and two letdown week off a big win against the top team in the league. I I think the Nets game could be bad. <laughs> uh, the Wizards game might be close. I know that they're seven that's and three.
1: The, that's the if I had to pick, gun to my head. What game are they winning?
2: Obvious. I'm. Yeah. I'm obviously. Everybody listening is like, yeah, of course you're going to which i'm I'm, I'm
1: heading uh, over uh well i hope to head over saturday i've got to double check with the magic make sure you know they've got my my space available media but yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and and do that saturday so sweet you get hooked on that feeling man being being in the building like while everyone's just kind of hanging out and yeah you know guys are just shooting around and you know just dudes being bros like like, i like that i like that Yeah, yeah yeah i'm excited to head over um very, uh, very Definitely. fortunate for that.
2: Sweet, awesome. Yeah, uh, oh and two though. But yeah, but oh you know, you might, you might see a win though. I don't know. We'll see, we'll see. You know, I, I really don't know what to make of this Washington team. Is why I'm saying that. We'll see.
1: I just want to go through this stretch: Brooklyn, Washington, and then a, a five-game road trip: Atlanta, New York, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Charlotte, Chicago, Cleveland, Philadelphia, Denver, Houston. Golden State, Sacramento, uh, Clippers, Lakers, Atlanta, Miami, Brooklyn, Toronto, Atlanta, That's and a then fun, New Orleans, Miami, Milwaukee, Milwaukee. That's the rest of our year, Luke. I'll say maybe we can uh, have a you know good chance to beat Cleveland. Um, then you're <laughs> at Houston, probably have a chance to win that game. Sacramento's been playing you know decent to start the year. So I don't feel great about saying that's like a probable win or anything like that. But then, you know, you play uh New Orleans uh December 23rd, 2 days before Christmas. Uh like we Merry might Christmas. be lucky to get If we win 6 games between now and the end of the year, I will be
2: very surprised. Yeah. I mean you're going to you're going to probably drop some of those 50-50 games. You're definitely going to. Yeah. You're going to beat some giants. Um and it's just going to be yeah, I mean, it's a toss up, man. I I really don't know. I don't like to think about it. Um it's it's going to be a lot of losses, but I am just hoping, man, that like the the games that the magic are still in it with the big the big dogs at the end of the game, I I hope the magic pull majority of those out. I know that it's not likely, but I, I I hope it's the it's the truth because wins like tonight against the Jazz are going to do so much for that team and for the growth. Right, young guys don't get exponentially better on crappy basketball teams, so you you need to win those games. If you're going to be crappy, which we have already conceded to, you need to win those games. And so I just hope that they find kind of the 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 willpower and the the, the mind strength to beat these guys not make dumb decisions down a stretch that loses your basketball games I hope that they can put themselves in positions to beat some of these really good teams
1: it's um yeah that's like a 26 game stretch there so maybe not six if they win more than like eight games in that stretch you know just based off of our current win percentage i'll be I'll be pleasantly surprised. Be a little under
2: thirty three percent,
1: and hopefully, you know, around that, you know, December twenty third, you know, December twenty sixth game. Jonathan Isaac said it's a reasonable projection for him to be back by Christmas,
2: whatever that means.
1: Well, I mean, it just means that you know he thinks it's (laughs) It's it's reasonable; reasonable it could
2: happen, but it could not happen. I so I so don't. When he was asked that,
1: he said if it was up to him, he feels like he could be ready for opening night. But then there was a specific question asked: Do you think you'll be ready by Christmas? And he says. I think that's a reasonable projection. So he can't say yes cuz the magic don't want him to say yes, but my feeling is the magic could probably told him like we'll we'll bring you back around Christmas. He's
2: just going to show up in the in the injury report as like questionable one day.
1: That day is really going to be a sight to behold. Matt, him and Markel coming back magic I mean, it happened with is Chuma. Be so excited. It kind of happened with Chuma, but I feel like it will be uh, to a greater right, but like, extent, we just with those didn't know guys. anything. Especially well, if those guys come back the same night, could you could you like could you wrap your head around that? it Would be pretty crazy.
2: No, which is why I think they're going to stagger it.
1: <laughs> I think no matter what happens, it like if it just comes out of the blue, like if we get a an update, like oh Jonathan Isaac is going to start Tuesday, you know, like give me like a little bit of time to work things out and make my way out there. But if it happens on like a Friday, like uh, let's see. Friday, December seventeenth, at home versus Miami. If an announcement right. comes out at like one o'clock that day, I'm gonna have to cancel like all my afternoon clients and drive <laughs> out to Orlando for that game because Amway is gonna be rocking when that man yeah. checks back in for the first time. Same same thing with Markell. I was in the right. building um, when Markell you know, made his debut for the Magic, um, you know, two seasons ago on opening night. I believe it was against the Cavs. And like it was legitimately electric. Like that place got very loud when he checked in. Can't wait. Can't wait. Luke, I think that's it. I think we did a, a pretty uh, bang up job tonight, if I do say so myself. These Absolutely. lights in front of me make this room so hot. I am sweating in places I didn't know that I could sweat. Mm. I I know you didn't need to know that particularly, but mm-hmm. um right. you know, you and I there's not many secrets. We share a lot. We do. Yeah, we do. Definitely. I think that's gonna do it, Luke.
2: Yeah, yeah. For those of you still listening, thank you guys.
1: Yes, thank you very much for listening to our uh, sweaty swamp talk here. Um, mm-hmm. That's going to be the title of this episode. Not really. No, <laughs> definitely not. But, guys, uh, for Luke Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You guys are listening to The Six Man Show. We will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Six Man Show.